listening to a Sharesies podcast. Tato Katoa, it's Wednesday the 23rd of March. This is Recap, brought to you by Sharesies. Sharesies is a wealth development platform where our purpose is to create financial empowerment for everyone. And here's the disclaimer. Investing involves risk. You aren't guaranteed to make money and you might lose the money you started with. Any information we provide is general only and current at the time. If you're looking for help with your investment choices, we recommend talking to a licensed financial advice provider. G'day there, Crystal. Kia ora, great to be here today. It's so good to have you. Thanks for stepping in, mate. Really appreciate it. No worries at all. Your house didn't get struck by lightning last night. You're in Wellington, of course, so there was heaps of lightning, man, by the looks of it. It was so impressive. It was, yeah, real cool. And just the sky went from a bizarre yellow to like intensely black so quick. But uh, yeah, I think Wellingtonians really enjoyed sharing our pictures all across social media um, <laughs> and making Aucklanders jealous. They were like, where was our cool storm pictures? So yeah, oh, it was good God, fun. Yeah, All we got up here was just lots of water at all the <laughs> wrong times when I was trying to walk the dog. Uh, yeah, but thanks for coming on the show today, Crystal. Always a pleasure to have you on the show. And uh, just to remind everybody listening out there, uh, of course, we had a little hiatus on, re- on recap for about a week. We're back now, but uh, we've just some changes. Uh, we're going to be only doing four days a week rather than five. Our away day is on Thursdays. But uh, that means that you've got more time in your day to listen to Shared Lunch. Uh, this week, uh, Shared Lunch uh, is at 12.15. And uh, Francis Cook will be talking to Chris Meehan. He is the CEO of Winton Land Limited. That's going to be a really interesting discussion. Uh, I'll put a link in the episode description to the registration page for the webinar. But let's continue with the show. So yesterday you and Helen were talking about the warehouse and its first half year results, but I see today it's the turn of um, <clears throat> Kathmandu. What can you tell us about that? Yeah, well, firstly, and mainly because uh, it was news to me, the Outdoor Clothing and Goods Company has been renamed. It's now been it's now called KMD Brands. Right, okay. So is that just the company that owns Kathmandu? So it's kind of like how Facebook became Meta, but there's still Facebook. Yeah, absolutely right. So yeah, the stores are still called Kathmandu Rip Curl, which KMD Brands also owns is still Rip Curl. Uh, the same with Oboes, which is a footwear maker that keeps its name as well. And considering they're all retail stores, I'm guessing like the warehouse results on Tuesday, uh, COVID must have had a bit of an impact. Uh, you are not wrong. Lockdowns and COVID restrictions all came together to see its operations lose just over 11,500 trading days in the six months of January. Lockdowns have cost the company around about uh, $35 million, with the first three months being the worst hit. But there was a rebound for the second quarter with higher sales than the year before. But all up, the Rip Curl part of the business fared the best, followed by Kathmandu. Oboes, however, recorded a 30% drop in sales due to it being affected by factory closures in Vietnam. So how did they manage all that disruption in their supply chain? Uh, yeah, it's a good question because not only were factories being closed down because of COVID, but freight costs have increased. KMD says that international freight is now on average 300% more than it has been historically. Uh, but the company said it's now holding $20 million more stock than it did in 2021 to help buffer those disruptions. 
and they say that Ford demand for rip curl and oboes is at record levels. And finally, did they confirm a dividend at all? They did. The company increased its payout to shareholders by two cents to a dividend of three cents per share. So, uh, Crystal, I hear that Elon Musk, my man Muskie, has been in the news for breaking out some sweet dance moves. Oh, yeah. I've seen the videos. Uh, and the best way I, I reckon to describe it was uh, something between like a dad dancing and the sort of oh, moves yeah. you might have seen in the club in the 90s. Apparently, it's his signature dance move. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, I've seen the video and I just have to say my take on it is I don't th- I think the main issue is main crime there is he just doesn't commit. I think like I think the 2020, you know, Joe Rogan smoking a doobie, uh, Elon Musk would have been right in there. But you know, fast forward two years later, he's just he's 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 all grown up now. He's got two kids, you know. Yeah, you reckon he's holding back a bit? You know? uh, yeah, 2020 Elon Musk would have gone full techno Viking. I reckon. <laughs> Been in Germany and what's yeah, I'd love to see that. I reckon, yeah, he needs to break that out. Maybe at his next grand opening, uh, he was actually breaking out the moves to celebrate, um, because it was the opening of Tesla's 5.5 billion dollar manufacturing plant called Giga Berlin on Tuesday. Um, and the company has opened it to take pressure off its other factories in the US and China. Okay, so why has Tesla chosen Berlin for this particular facility? So all the way back in 2019, when plans for this factory was uh, kind of first announced, uh, Musk said, everyone knows that German engineering is outstanding for sure. We are going to create an engineering and design center in Berlin because Berlin has some of the best art in the world. So that's what his thinking was, I'm guessing. But uh, the Berlin factory is Tesla's first manufacturing facility in Europe, actually. And it's um, come because demand for EVs remains very, very high in Europe. And in fact, in recent quarters, Tesla has been exporting cars from China to its customers in Europe. Um, So it's great that they can now rely on that production from the continent and not have to ship from China. So Tesla's actually been struggling to keep up with demand and there are lengthy delays already for Model Ys and certain Model 3s in different parts of the world. Uh, plus, of course, you know, COVID has had an impact and just last week Tesla had to temporarily shut production at its gigafactory in Shanghai due to a resurgence of cases. Mm. So has Tesla received a warm welcome in Berlin? Not entirely. Uh, The plant was actually delayed, so the original plan was to start production last year, uh, but local environmental activists pushed back on its construction, raising concerns about its potential impact on local drinking water, forests and the wildlife. Uh, German officials granted final approval for Tesla to begin full production just earlier this month, Um, and they said that as long as the company adhered to requirements on water use, air pollution and other environmental issues, Uh, Some activists actually blocked off an entry to the factory during its opening ceremony, uh, while others blocked off a local road and stalled traffic for hours after the event, according to Reuters. So how many vehicles do they reckon they'll be able to produce out of this factory in Berlin? And did this grand opening have much of an impact on the share price? Yeah, so they're saying up to 500,000 vehicles annually, uh, but it also has grand plans to expand each of its gigafactories to get to 1 million vehicles annually. 
um, and Tesla shares surged 7.9% for their best day since January the 31st. Market commentary from Bloomberg suggests that Tesla may be in the right place at the right time as it's benefiting from rising investor interest in electrical vehicles as the price of oil has surged. Cool. Thanks very much, Crystal. So here is a story about Trust Power signing up to its first solar energy project. It was announced earlier today that the electricity generator and retailer has entered into a partnership with Hawke's Bay Airport to create a new solar farm. Wow, that's a new one. Uh, I don't think I've ever heard of airports and solar energy sort of together in the same package. Yeah, totally. Me neither. But apparently airports that run off solar power are the next big thing in aviation infrastructure. And it does make sense. The aviation industry is routinely criticised for the amount of emissions it creates. And that includes facilities, not just aircraft. And from what I've read, there's over 100 airports around the world making use of solar power in some way. Uh, More if you include wind power. Sweet, I'm sold. So is this a new venture? Uh, It's actually been sizzling away for a while. Hawke's Bay Airport initially had another partner before they left and uh, Trust Power swooped in. It's part of the airport strategy to reach carbon neutrality by 2030. And the plan is they will build a solar farm with 52,000 solar panels next to its two runways. The farm is expected to generate 24 megawatts of electricity and that means the airport will be the first in New Zealand to be completely powered by solar energy. It will also export power back into the local network. So when does this all come online? Well, assuming the community consultation and resource consent process runs smoothly, uh, the plan is for the farm to be in operation by 2025. And just very quickly before we go, you might remember that about two weeks ago, Alice and I talked about Ryan Cohen, the activist investor in the States who blasted the board of Bed Bath & Beyond. Now, Cohen became well known after his appointment to the board of GameStop uh, when it triggered a stock rally resulting in a short squeeze in early 2021. A bunch of retail investors came together in Reddit forums and elsewhere, and they piled into GameStop shares and squeezed out short sellers. That pushed GameStop's share price up more than 680%. Now, cut to earlier last night, New Zealand time, and it's been reported that Cohen has bought another 100,000 shares of GameStop, bringing his ownership in the company to just under 12%. Uh, GameStop shares bounced as high as 20% during after-hours trading. That's after regular trading closed with a price at $123.14. That's an increase of 30% from the day before. And that means it's the end of the show. Thank you so much for listening. That was Recap for the 23rd of March. We'd love you to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Our email is recap at sharesies.co.nz and you can also leave a voice message. There's a link in the episode description. We'll see you on Friday. Remember, as I said before at the start of the show, it's Recap's Away Day tomorrow. But you can still have a hoon on Shared Lunch, Sharesies' weekly webinar. The link is in the episode description as well. Matewa. See ya.